now, it's time for... No, I don't live in my parents' basement. A show that covers comics, movies, music, pop culture, and everything in between. Here's your host, B.J. Kennard and Adam Dellinger. Welcome to the podcast. I am B.J. Kennard, across from Adam Dellinger. Uh, before the podcast started, I had asked Adam a question. He said, wait, and now we will answer. And the only reason being is I just walked out of another studio and Aerosmith Dream On was playing, and I asked, is that Aerosmith's greatest song ever? And then I said, probably because of FM radio. However, you know... about to break down some Aerosmith knowledge? Well, I like Aerosmith. Like, a lot of guys will be like, oh, man, the early Aerosmith stuff is the best Aerosmith. I don't believe that. Mm -hmm. I think that Aerosmith came into their own with everything they did from, like, 1982 to, like, 1992. Like, I love that sonically Aerosmith didn't really get into the glam metal stuff, you know? Like, they never went full-on Poison no, or any stayed, of that. they stayed Aerosmith. Yeah, uh, but their sound became a little more pop, and I think that's where they came into their own. With Angel, uh, mm-hmm. Crazy. All the Alicia Silverstone stuff. Any of that stuff yeah. is great. And then uh, Living on the Edge, mm-hmm. like, was different, you know? Yeah, they definitely kind of stayed in their lane and did their thing but for me i i think and, and maybe it's because it's a product of radio commercial commercially dream on for me is where it's at and crying dude crying i, mean, I like those songs but it's still not dream on but before he met her he was if i any fine he was yeah anytime you're spelling in a, in a song so just just curious all right uh bohemian rhapsody greatest queen song for me it's one of my top five songs of all time killer queen i like better mm-hmm. uh keep yourself alive I like better. Queen's an interesting band because I find them to be highly overrated. Like You think so? Oh, yeah, to a level that's, I mean, it's a great deal of overrated. Yeah, as a guitar player, you like Brian May? Incredible. He, okay. He is underrated. I'm just saying as a band. And then Roger Taylor drums, right? Yes. Seems, but, seems fine. But they're like Night at the Opera. Mm-hmm. It's all right. It's a decent album, you know? Like, given the choice, and it's because of that movie. Uh, that's all it is. It's strictly because of the movie. Like, you're going to listen to Night at the Opera above, say, you know, Zeppelin Four. Probably not. You're going to listen to that above Who's Next? You're going to listen to that above... Pearl Jam 10. The Wall? I'm talking about... Just classic. 70s. Yeah. From 1970 to 1980, that era of classic rock. I can give you 10 better albums. I, so I just think that it's kind of, to me anyways... Is Pink Floyd your ultimate band? What what's the question? Like, is that your ultimate band, Pink Floyd? If you're if you you get one, is it Floyd? No, it's the Beatles. Oh, well, all right, you can't count the Beatles. Okay, so the Beatles don't count. Yeah, because I think that's for most people that's going to be their their band. And you're saying band, not not so, person, band. Uh, yeah, it's probably Pink Floyd, just okay. because of the album, the idea of the album. But I'm harsh on Pink Floyd too. Like, I think everything before metal. Is garbage, and that's M E D D L E. Yeah, for those that think it's like metal, right? And then everything after the wall that's not a live album is like I don't like Division Bell. Like I didn't really get into Division. Is that the nineties one? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Learning to flies on that. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. And so, like, uh, with the Division Bell, there's no Roger Waters, and I'm really rough on bands that lose like a lead dude. Mm-hmm. I would have been the same way. Like if Roger Waters would have stayed with Richard and Nick and David Gilmore left, it's not Pink Floyd. It's the Skinner thing. 
mm-hmm. or there's like one dude left. Yeah. And it's like, no. That's how they keep it together, make that money. Well, it's the Journey deal. Mm-hmm. Like, is Journey actually Journey? Steve Perry not in that band anymore? That's a joke. Is how, that... long, how, how long has that dude been in the, been singing for them? The Filipino guy? Yeah. Been like a decade now? Long. Well, since he's been... It's longer than a decade, because I saw the Filipino dude in concert with Journey. And by the way, amazing show. Yeah. Like, it's a great concert. And I don't discourage anybody from going to see him, but I just... It's not Journey. Steve Perry's not there. But if Steve Perry was still in it, would you want to go? Because my man just released a new... It was garbage. That yeah. single. His new song. It was bad. Yeah, and it, but Steve Perry does have one of the greatest rock and roll voices of all time. Like, just can belt out some stuff. But people in the 70s and 80s didn't know what they know today about how to preserve that. To where you get to keep that through vocal warm-ups and exercises, what you're drinking, what you're doing... To where if Steve Perry came out today as a 20-something-year-old doing what you're supposed to do at the age he is now in real life, if he did that moving forward, he might sound pretty amazing. He uh, still sounds good. He just doesn't sound the way he used to. Well, I beg to differ. I think that there are two cons. Okay. Right? Because when I hear Robert Plant now, and he gets like into some weird like Eastern music, and he gets into bluegrass now, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't sound like Robert Plant anymore. And it's because of that, what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. He's screaming at shows, and they're mm-hmm. smoking, and he's Nebworth, and he's all this stuff, right? Yeah. But Paul McCartney now is starting to not sound like Paul McCartney. Fifteen years ago, Paul McCartney sounded just like Paul McCartney yeah. from 1970. So there's two kinds. There's like the but, natural kind. Yeah, because but there's also a different type of singing. Paul wasn't, I feel like Steve was belting out stuff and like having to go get it. Paul was never much of that. Like, Paul's a good singer. Well, I don't know, dude. He's not a great singer. I don't... But think about songs like Helter Skelter. Yeah, but, like, it, but it doesn't take a great singer to do that. You know what I'm saying? You're saying Paul McCartney's not a great singer? I'm saying, Yeah, I'm saying he's not a great singer. I would call him an all-time great voice. Let's do this. Can we live produce right now? Yeah. Power 5 today. Yeah. Into the podcast. So, so I have time to think about it. Yeah. You're 5 all-time rock singers. So okay. I don't want, you know, okay. Etta James or any of that. Yeah, she was dope. And okay. do they have to be bands? Uh, No, I mean, just singers. Okay. I mean, like, it could be someone that was in a band. All right, and this is... Are you going to where, like, Freddie Mercury is going to be at the top because he was... He could do all these things with his range, or are you just going for what you think is... I think it's just a, yeah for for me I I think there are singers that are above the other ones regardless if I like their music or not like you could you could find any genre and go oh that's a better singer like I'm going to go country for a quick second okay Dan and Shay great singers great singers if you watched the Grammys this year and when they did the song Tequila is Dan the one that sings or Shay I have no idea well they well like one's the power yeah guy. yeah yeah and so he was there. They did a very you know simple number with it, and he hit that note at the end and held it for about thirty seconds and had that moment of power. I went, "OMG!" Like that dude can sing, which makes him probably one of the better country singers today. See, okay, so with that point there that you just made, and you used Dan and Shay, which is a great like modern reference, I guess. Mm-hmm. But 
can we agree that a guy like Mick Jagger, who may be the best frontman of all time, not a great singer. is not on this list. Not on this okay, list. Okay, so I see what we're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean straight up. Just we're on the same page. Yeah. All right, good, cool. Good singer. So we will definitely uh, get to that towards the end here. Uh, so let's jump into something that I saw that I'm excited about, though I feel like I could be more excited, and that is the re-release of Avengers Endgame. Now, uh, additional know. footage. Yeah, but it's not, but it kind of is. They shot, like, hours and hours of footage for this movie. And there, and we've learned of things that ended up on the cutting room floor, but just because of time and things that they're like, ah, you know, it, 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 it was good for the story, but it didn't move the story along, so it hit the floor. Put those things in there. Because we know about them, and it seems pretty cool. And, and it was almost in the movie anyway. So when it comes out next week, and it is next week when it comes out, they're shooting to do this so they can get the all-time highest-grossing movie ever. They're, they want to beat Avatar. Avatar was also re-released, and that's how it was able to get to the, the total it has. It has $2.788 billion. Avengers right now sits at $2.743 billion. It just needs a little bit of cash, and it's going to make it. So absolutely, it will make enough money to do that, especially because if you have comic book people going, they're like, oh, they can break the record? I'd rather this be the number one movie as opposed to Avatar. They'll go see it just for that. Mm, yeah. Just to push it over. 100%. And I also think that um, this is also a great re-release for them because it bolsters Spider-Man. And that's the other part. Right. And they have seen where if a movie's coming out and the other one's still kind of there, they saw it with Black Panther and a few other things, then yeah, you'll go see the previous one just to kind of refresh your memory. I wouldn't be surprised if... Like, who dictates the order in which you get uh, previews at the trailers? Who? The studio. Do you not lead with a brand new Far From Home trailer with this re-release? It's exactly what I would do. The first preview that you see is a brand new unreleased trailer from Spider-Man Far From Home. I think that, yeah, I imagine they would. The, the, the thing that Marvel doesn't have right now that they usually do is bullets in the chamber, ready to go, which are the upcoming movies that they've been shooting and doing. They just started to film one just a, like a month or two ago, and we're pretty sure it's Black Widow, but we don't quite know that. We don't know what the, the slate of movies are yet. I feel like that's intentional, though, because there is like a cool-off period. Like, you can't oversaturate the... Because that's kind of what they're... Not that Marvel got close. I mean, obviously, people are still buying tickets. And uh, we're just talking about the, the highest grossing film of all time. Yeah. But you can have burnout. You most certainly can have burnout. I think you... I, I think they're past that now. I think they could have gotten to it. Because now I feel like we're having a fresh slate. And with that, now you can't burn out as much. We've only had one Black Panther movie which is cool. We've seen him in a few things, so now we'll get the second one, and if it's not a letdown, he gets to have a third and then figure out what he wants to do. We've only had one Doctor Strange movie, which was really cool. We'll get another one. Right. And then the same thing, maybe the third, and we'll and we'll kind of go from there. Guardians is going to have their third, and that may be it for them because I've heard the talk of just a trilogy, and then they, they figure some stuff out again. Uh, you had told me like two weeks or so ago, or maybe longer, that, that Doctor Doom may be playing a big role in the upcoming MCU. I did see that, um, and that was confirmed. Where did I see it? Man, you asked me about that now. 
But I did see that that was a, a confirmed thing. Doctor Doom is 100% going to be a central character. And I, I think they saw with Thanos, you need that kind of overarching villain. Well, they also learned with Thanos, and we've talked about this prior, uh, that they actually pulled off the mega villain. They did. And nobody's ever done that before. And I do think in the in the midst of it, I think they, they were kind of at a part like Lost, right. like the TV show yep. and some of these other ones where they're like, we're gonna we're gonna show Thanos at the end of this, okay? And like, well, we're gonna we're gonna have him tie in somewhere, and then somewhere along the line, someone went, oh, you know what? Thanos is gonna be the big bad, and we're gonna do this overarching giant story with him, as opposed to just make him a villain in a movie, because that's kind of what it was at first. I mean, just him kind of looking over his shoulder and grinning at the end of Avengers, like, ooh, he was like the dude in uh, Inspector Gadget. Claw. Yes. He had the cat or whatever, and you never saw his face, but he was always going to get gadget, and you just saw the gauntlet. That's right. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, and then at at the end of one of the Thors, maybe, he goes and he grabs the gauntlet, uh, which was a... That's one of those errors, because Dimitri... I think it wasn't that the troll's name. Yep. Uh, or giant dwarf guy. Um, he said troll. What was he a troll? No, he's not a troll. He's what a is, dwarf. Is that? It's just yeah. you know, uh, made that for him, which seemed to be pretty recent. Not all the way back then. Right. So you know that's where I feel like it's so you're kind of writing the story as you go, uh, type of thing for part of it. But I'm ex- uh, so what we're gonna get at the end of it is the movie itself is gonna be the same, but the end credit scene there will actually be one. Where there wasn't one before. And before, they did go in and add Spider-Man Far From Home, the trailer, afterwards. But now there's supposed to be some sort of a scene. But I feel like I don't care at this point. There's no interest at all. Like, I feel like this is a mega fan. Like, a movie-specific. Because there are two Marvel fans right now that we have. Yeah. There are people that know nothing about anything that has to do with comic books at all. Mm Mm-hmm. If it wasn't shown in the theater. Right. And then there's the rest of us. Yep. Who, who, know, who know canon for the most part. Right. And then this. Or at least what we thought was canon, because I sort of have that thing in my head, too. Like, I don't... Yeah, because my son will ask me all the time at the end of a movie of these, like, this, what, is that what happened in the comics? I'm like, well, you know, now, buddy, I don't I don't really remember, because like, as you see it, the lines kind of get blurred a little bit, and as over other stories happen, like, even right now, Marvel has the symbiote spider-man comic yep and it goes back to the 90s when the spider-man first got was that late 80s or not that was 90s uh when he first got the the symbiotes costume and the way we know it is venom is born and because the 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 symbiote changes spider-man then you get venom and then later you get carnage and that's it now they're going back and they're retelling new stories that are old stories that were never told of Spider-Man while he's got the symbiote costume. It seems a bit of a money grab. And it is a little bit of a money grab. And speaking of money grabs, Marvel last week, not so not this week of comics from, uh, from yesterday, since we're recording this on a Thursday, uh, last week did the Carnage secret covers. I don't know if you heard about these. I did. So what they did was they took Venom, they took Symbiote Spider-Man 3, and I think that's it so far, and they, on the title of the comic, you know, put little strands of Carnage's symbiote, and it was like a surprise. I happened to just coincidentally get the Venom 15 that had that. I'm like, oh, bonus. 
is a secret. Now they're like ten bucks and if, if if you want one at a, at a comic book store. Money grab. Yeah, money grab. Because and here's why. Moving forward, the secret Venom covers are no longer a secret. They should have all put them out in the same week and not said anything about it. But coming up, uh, the Immortal Hulk's got one. X-Men's going to have one. Uh, Avengers is going to have one. Uh, comics people aren't buying are going to have one. And there's a couple of those that are low on the list. But you can reach over and go, oh, look, it's got it's got the Carnage stuff on it. I'm going to get one of those when you typically wouldn't buy it. I don't want to tell you not to buy it, but you think you're going to have a comic book for five days and then it's going to be $10 as opposed to the $3.99 that you gave for it, and it's not going to be because they're going to print a boatload of them and everybody's going to buy them. Yeah, I legitimately think there's fewer of the symbiote Spider-Man and the Venom ones because it was first. It was really a secret then. How many people are buying the symbiote Spider-Man I was getting it for a second. And I I'm still like, am. And I'm like, I just... It, it happened, but it didn't happen, if that makes sense. If it was worth telling before, I feel like they would have done more with it. People want to see Spider-Man in the black costume again? Put him in it now. Don't give me stuff that already happened, because now what you're going to do is you're going to jack with history. Because uh, Drew, who owns the comic book store, we were talking about this yesterday. And he, because I, I, I put, you know, we talked about not getting the next symbiote Spider-Man for me. He goes, well, you know, they might put some new characters in there. And that's one of the reasons, well, number one, it's one of the reasons you would buy it so you get a new character, but it's also one of the reasons why I don't like the series if they do that, because that character does not exist. At some point, I think that they're going to do, like, a Newell, some sort of bizarre reference. Oh, Null? Yeah. yeah. Well, we, the symbiote god? We think that it's Null. I think it's it's K-N-U-L-L. Null. Null. Yeah. Knoll. I've just been calling him Null, because it sounds like Nullifier. Maybe he's the ultimate nullifier. That's the read. Or he's zero in soccer with a K in the front. Boom. Uh, but, oh, wait a minute. Can we go somewhere else now? Yeah. So Venom. Yeah. He's forgotten in the movies. Like, what's happening with that? Uh, well, he's not forgotten in the movies. He just, he's only been referenced in his, in his one movie. And they haven't done anything else with that. Far From Home, which comes out in two weeks could reference Venom for all That's going to be the end credit scene. They want to do that so bad. You remember, like, the first two or three podcasts that we ever did, mm -hmm. and I was so stoked about a Carnage, Venom, Spider-Man crossover. Like, I feel like I don't care anymore. Yeah. Well. But th that's because I read the comics. Yeah. And talk about oversaturation. Like, Venom, Spider-Man, Carnage, Symbiote. Like, they're just throwing that stuff out left and right, and I'm just not interested. And the Web of Carnage, or whatever they're going to call that stuff coming up, is going to be pretty cool. And they're and I want them to revitalize that character because I have his first appearance. Right. And I want that price to go up. That's just how that works. Um, but it looks like they're going to do some neat things with this, as, as Carnage is going to go and, and kind of touch many aspects of the Marvel comic universe that you didn't think that he would do. Along the way, you know, I haven't collected comics since 1986 consistently or whenever I bought my first comic back in the, in the you know, mid-80s. But I collected them for a while, took a little bit of a reprieve, collected a little bit here and there, took a reprieve. But for the last, you know, eight years or so, running solid of getting stuff, things have happened that I don't even know about. And now with Carnage going back and being able to sense whoever's had any part of a symbiote touch them, 
because there's little traces of DNA or whatever left. He needs to collect it all so he can get back in touch with the host. He's going to go fight characters I had no idea ever even were part of a symbiote. See, I don't like the Carnage story. The one that is happening now or the previous one? Any period. Why is that? I like the way that Carnage exists. Initially, Carnage was what the name implies. Mm -hmm. Destroyer. Right? He's basically Gozer the Traveler. Like, showing up and he's tearing everything up. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no purpose. He has this focused emotion, right? He's a psychopathic killer. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want a story. I don't want to know why I don't he's collecting stuff. He's he's playing uh, Pokemon or something. He's yeah. gotta go he's a gatherer now. Like it's so stupid to me. Like I don't like it. Well if you, I just want havoc. There just needs to be havoc. But there's havoc along the way of doing it. If you, so I look at it like this. Psychopaths, because I watch a crap ton of Criminal Minds, I feel like I could be in the BAU. Psychos have a certain thing they're drawn to, whatever it happens to be, right? Like something that makes them do what they do. If it's even, and as they do it, some of them have ritual as well. They have to do it a certain way. So if... Cletus Cassidy's in this part, if his new mission is to maybe take down Null or Canal or whatever we're going to call him, uh, to, to, to be the ultimate, and this is the way to get there, that's pretty cool. If his whole thing is like, I'm going to destroy that guy and I am going to be the darkness. I am going to be the ruler of all of this. And then all the carnage I can create if I can rule all of the symbiotes. Like, that's kind of neat, if, are, if that's one of the angles for it. Are we aiming at uh, the end of the story is there's Avenger involvement? Like, I feel like that's 100% what's going to happen. Oh, they'll, every, from what I understand, all the different comics are going to be tied into this web of carnage. Uh, sounds like another money grab. Well, and that's what they do all the time, though. Like, right now, it's War of the Realms. Yep. And everybody's tied all in. all that stuff. Yeah. And some of it's good, you know, the Agents of Atlas first issue, two new characters in there. Or three, three total, I think. So, like, that's good. That's that's a, a good thing. Oh, by the way, speaking of uh, new characters, I just, I think of money when that happens. Got some of my stuff back from the CGC. Yes. My Avengers No Road Home or whatever, whatever the Immortal Hulk's first appearance is, 9-8. Good for you, on man. On that one. Good for you. I was excited, though. I did think I was going to get a 9-9 nine, nine on uh, one of mine. Got a nine eight on the. Remember those covers that DC did that were uh, like holographs, not New holographs. Fifty two. It was a villain takeover. Yeah, so it was the Batman cover, but it had Joker and then it spray. Like I had that one pristine. I was like, uh, you know, tens are unicorns. I was like, this is gonna be a nine nine. And my wife goes, don't don't say that because you're gonna get your hopes up. And it was a nine eight. Yeah. Was I disappointed? Still a nine eight. But that's fine. But I was excited that my Hulk and I read that issue. Still got a nine eight on. So I was very proud of it. What's that comic worth? Uh, a nine eight of that, maybe three or four hundred. I was gonna say it's pretty pricey. Yeah, because even Immortal Hulk one, two, three, and four, nine eighths of those are going for two to four hundred dollars right now. Good for you, man. I know you're a huge Hulk fan too. Yeah, I, I like different aspects of the Hulk, and for me, it's a lot of I really enjoy that comic right now, and it's it's going bananas. Uh, with what's happening in the Immortal Hulk series. It's like this horror comic. And the last issue really ended on a crazy-ass note. Uh, so, of course, no spoilers there. So I like what that's doing. Hulk, most underutilized character in the movies of the Avengers? 
Yes. Has and to be. Yes and no. Utilized properly in Avengers, in the first one. I feel a little underutilized in Age of Ultron. Utilized properly in Ragnarok. Ragnarok is basically a Hulk movie. Yeah, and and they had talked about that sort of World War Hulk, right, uh, or Planet Hulk. Uh, in Infinity War, not utilized at all. At all, and then in Endgame, also kind of not utilized well. Bruce Banner yes. was utilized. Yeah, and and so the Hulk itself, I'm I'm looking forward to if they would do like a real Hulk movie, but now they can't unless they do what they're doing with Black Widow and they go back. Has the Hulk ever carried... Has the Hulk ever been able to carry his own comic book? Now... I mean, he's... I mean, he's had hundreds of issues. Well, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Are all the best Hulk storylines involving other superheroes? No. Like, you have Planet Hulk. It's him uh, when he's on Sakaar. Or whatever the planet is where he has to battle, which we saw, which was Ragnarok. Yeah, but Planet Hulk is just a whole bunch of other... Yeah, but he's a gladiator and it's kind of cool. That's fine. Okay. Um. Well, Red Hulk, that storyline is cool because it does introduce the Red Hulk. But, right. But still Hulk is the, you know, the, the no one else is really helping from what I recall from that. But there is the introduction of that. Uh, like, can you have, like, Batman can have a comic book mm-hmm. where there is no supervillain at play. Yeah. And there is, because Batman, detective comics at least, they're not afraid to do solving generic crime. Yeah, and that's the whole point uh, of Over that. the course of three issues. Yeah. And they'll introduce a villain who is a killer yeah. or who is a thief yeah. or whatever. Right, not a, not a supervillain. That was my point. I don't think that Hulk can do that. Like, I don't think you can have a Hulk storyline where he's just... For a movie or for a comics? For comics. Well, yeah, because Immortal Hulk right now, he's the guy, but it's like, it. there's just crazy stuff going on with it. This is the, we have not seen Hulk like this ever, and they are introducing other things into it, uh, but it is the most exciting. But I do know uh, Dale Cohen just did a, uh, a comic with Peter David, a one-shot Hulk one. I have it, haven't read it, but I heard that it was just kind of a little lackluster. I like Dale Cohen, because he, he did... Hulk. He also did Pitt for uh, for Image Comics. Uh, I like the way he draws. It's very cool. And I heard that it's just so-so. Marvel's doing that again with Eric Larson. If that name rings a bell, mm-hmm. used to do Amazing Spider-Man. He left and did Image Comics and did Savage Dragon. He is now coming back for one issue of Amazing Spider-Man. He is going to be drawing along with Mark Bagley. And Mark and, and some one of those is going to be writing with another like classic Spider-Man writer as well. How soon is that? Uh, you know, I just saw the news on that maybe yesterday or today, so I'm not sure when that one's coming out. But other artists are going to be drawing it too, so I'm not sure how thick this issue is going to be. But uh, I don't mind when these artists come back. You're Rob Liefeld's doing Major X. They might get him to do something else. Bust. It's a bust. It's okay to say it, dude. No. Uh, I don't want to say it's necessarily a bust because it is interesting. It is poorly written, straight up. Rob wrote it, and it and it seems like it. And were we were we talking the other day about his art is just kind of yep maybe even digressed a little bit because yeah. I remember you know getting New Mutants back in the day and X Force, and then when Youngblood came out, 
how that stuff just leapt off the page. Yes, his faults of not being able to draw feet and giant thighs and crazy guns and lots of pouches and weird swords and blades, whatever. But everything else, the detail, everything seemed really amazing. And that's 1990, 92, whenever that took place. Well, if you ask Rob, it's the greatest work of all time. Of course. And you got to be your own cheerleader. And I'm not saying the art in this is bad. We've only got one issue that he's done so far. He did one, Will Sportico did two, and then some other dude did two, which we just got uh, number five. It's a six issue. You know what? I think they might have extended something they just extended to seven issues. It was supposed to be six. Now it's seven. I don't know if it was that one or not. Probably because they felt bad. I mean, it sold great. Uh, issues one and two went to reprint before issues one and two even hit newsstands because they had sold out. That's because they hyped it up more than any other book yeah, has but, been hyped hey, in 2019 other than Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, new characters are introduced, and I and I think those will be be fine. And I do know the next one's got like a cool-looking old man cable like with a like a ponytail and thing going on with this big beard. That looks pretty neat. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's a bust. I would have preferred if someone else would have written it. I like what they're doing. It's just poorly written. And, and the art is fine. Yeah, but I think the whole thing was that that was part of the hype machine yeah. was that Rob Liefeld was going to write the thing. And I believe that I'm on record as saying that it would not be good. Yeah, and I'll I'll and I'll, I'll buy that as well. Like I, I, seeing the fact that he was going to be doing it, uh, I'll give you that. I still wouldn't mind. I like that these image guys can cross over and do some Marvel stuff. And I kind of wish some of the DC dudes could come over and do some Marvel stuff. I'd love to see Jim do something else over here in the Marvel world. I'd like to see Jorge Jimenez do something over here. I'd like to see uh, Tony Daniels do something, Greg Capullo do something in the Marvel world. I would like to see the entire Marvel team come over and write for DC. Are you not enjoying some of the DC stuff right now? Uh, Batman's alright. Justice League's super right now. Justice League's the best book they've got. It's great. And and so that that would be one of my big recommendations to Detective's pick up. decent. Detective's decent. I have them, but I haven't been reading them. But it's Detective Comics. I mean, it, I feel like I'm being super negative, but Detective Comics is what Detective Comics was, like, issue 40. Like, it, it's kind of A yeah. is the open, B is the meat, C is the close. Mm-hmm. That's kind of every run that they're doing now. And that's okay. It's fun, yeah. Um, not this issue that came out last week for Justice League, but the issue before that is a good one to jump onto because DC is starting this year of the hero. I'm sorry, year of the villain. And which I feel like they should have started in January, not in May when that issue came out or it might have been the first part of June here when that issue came out. To me the year of the villain should be at the beginning of a year. But that's okay. But that's when they really introduced the year of the villain. They've had all this stuff going on with the 7th dimension or whatever and some pretty heady stuff. Now it's getting rooted right back to earth again and Lex Luthor is painting the Justice League as they're not going to save you. They've been lying to you. If you're going to survive this, it's the year of the villain. So there's going to be two people out there. Either you're a villain or you're not. You're going to take this world or you're not. And that's the where we are. Now, I've not read the latest issue, which has the death of Starman on the cover. Who knows if it happens? Because I proposed this a, while, a couple of podcasts ago. Deceptive comic book covers to where something that's on the cover not remotely in the book. But I have read all year long that DC was going to do they're killing somebody. Yeah, but I'm not a... All right, so I'm, I am not... I do collect DC comics now and have for the last several years, but I don't have a lot of older DC stuff. I could give 
two Fs about Starman. I don't even know who he is, what he does. So if they kill him off, I really don't care. No, it's a non-factor. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything to me. Just like that, uh, in uh, the crisis that they just did, uh, I can't believe I can't think of what it is. It's uh, there was nine issues where they, where you went to this old house and you told this robot your problems. Oh yeah, and it was really cool for a for like six issues. It was dragging on. At the end of it, one of the worst wastes of time that I have put into a comic. It really, it's it's it had this kind of great story and this arpeggio is coming and then you realize it doesn't exist what is the most like we work in uh, television and radio yeah and what powers that sort of industry is sales advertising sales that's the way that that operates yep you hear this all the time out of the, the general managers or the market presidents or whatever the executives in that line of work there can be great salespeople that can't close yeah. It has plagued DC for a decade now. I can name uh, Future's End. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the crisis? New 52 crisis, uh, whatever that storyline was. Mm-hmm. The Batman Weekly mm-hmm. that they did during that same time period. Jeff John's run with Green Lantern. They've never been able to close, at least in the last decade. They can do these great story arcs. And the ending is so bad. Yeah. Even Superman Unchained, I was all on board with because Jim Lee's doing Superman again. They introduced this brand new character that I can't even think of what the character's name is at this point, but he's like this all powerful and he's going to teach Superman these new abilities, like how to really use his abilities. Like, oh, this is cool as hell. Like, yeah, let's go because this guy knows what's what. Right. And then it all kind of fell apart towards the end to me. Like, it was. You could have told this in just a couple of comics if you wanted to, instead of the seven or however many it was. Batman's wedding. Oh, yeah. What wedding, I guess. Right. Like, there's this build-up, and you know, it's a comic book. We know that, you know, she's not going to marry Batman. There's not going to be a a Batman-Catwoman wedding, and if there is, something terrible's going to happen, or... But nothing happened. They didn't close on it at all. Yep. And this... And I think... I feel like for D- I think DC and Marvel have different thoughts on this. DC, I think, sees it as an opportunity to build it up, hype it up, then not do it so they can do it later. Because now there's about to be a Catwoman Batman comic, and I feel like maybe they're going to work their way back towards that. They could see the fervor that it created. They're already the- talking about it. It's you know they were hyping that thing up like a month or two ago and calling it the return or yeah. she's back or something. Selena Kyle and. They're putting out all these teasers with Catwoman and Batman, and they're, like, embraced and stuff. And I'm like, we literally just did this. Like, we just did it. You know what else Marvel's doing a way better job of now? And it's something that DC used to own, and that's alternate universes, the multiverse stuff, the alternate Mm -hmm. timelines. Marvel's not afraid to do something incredibly wacky that doesn't make sense. And then if people are like, this is bizarre, Marvel... Multiverse, yeah, multiverse. It's not a real thing. And DC, I think they, it seems a little more structured, doesn't it? Seem more linear, yeah. And they're afraid that they'll, that's the wedding's the best example. Yeah, they give us this idea, people are all into it. And as far as marketing's concerned, they did an incredible job. Couldn't escape it. You get a save the date card. Yeah, that did. was a checklist. Yeah. So on the back side, it's the checklist for all the comics that you're going to need 
to make this story arc complete. And on the flip side, it's a save the day. It's a wedding invitation. Yeah. It was brilliant. You know how many of those I have at home? Like, I'd write on them. Like, yeah. I doodle on those things. I've, they're in, like, every comic. Yeah. And then it gets here, and they're afraid to go through with anything. They're afraid to get drastic. And I don't know why that is. I feel like DC feels like they're stuck in a box. Yeah, because the flip side of that is around the same time, Marvel is about to do a wedding as well. They're doing Colossus and, yep. and Kitty. Yep. And it's the wedding date. They figure out they can't go through with it. Okay, so now we're turning into DC for a second. But what does Marvel do? They up the ante. There is a wedding that takes place. It's a surprise wedding, and it's Gambit and it's Rogue. They get married at a wedding that's supposed to be Colossus and Kitty Pride. Something happened, right. and then out of that spins Mr. and Mrs. X, the comic. But you got a relationship you've seen building for a long time come to fruition, and it's a surprise. You know? What you, you knew what you were getting out of that book, but then you didn't when you got to that part. You're like, oh, they're not getting married. This sucks. And then they do something cool with it. most exciting thing to happen in the, the last year of the comic world to me, and I'm not talking about movies. I'm talking about the books mm-hmm. solely. Red Goblin. Yeah. Uh, Which has got to come back into play with this Web of Carnage stuff. Superior Spider-Man. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man reboot. Now, all this stuff is happening... At the same time, right, as uh, the Batman wedding. Mm -hmm. You know what else DC has? DC has something bigger than anything that Marvel has ever even thought about. And I just named what I thought were the coolest things, especially Red Goblin. Mm -hmm. They've got Action Comics 1000, and they've got Detective Comics 1000. Mm -hmm. Here's an opportunity for you to take the two greatest comic book characters of all time completely revitalize them, make people excited. And what do you do? You give us a multi-author, multi-artist, mm-hmm. no continuity, just grab bag of stories. And I get it, man. It's a celebration of the characters. Yeah. You, you missed an opportunity. I'll give you that. You missed a massive opportunity. More so with Superman than Batman. I don't feel like Batman needs help. Batman is a pop culture icon and figure for not only our generation, my daughter knows who Batman is. Right. Batman's everywhere. Yeah. Batman will always be everywhere. Superman seems a little stale, and you had a real opportunity. And, frankly, uh, what was the first run when they were doing cool stuff with Superman? What Was it Man of Steel? What was the comic line yeah, there? Yeah, Man was, of Steel, yeah. And uh, it was incredible. Right? Yeah, they've had a handful. Because even when John Romita was doing it, right? Uh, but they depowered Superman. Yep. He, he would bur- he would do that solar flare super burst thing, then he's depowered for 24 hours. And that is, to me, cheap writing, because you've got something too great and you got to diminish it to but make they, it seem relatable. But at the same time, they were they introduced us to a new villain, yep. right? And that mm-hmm. was really cool. Yeah. But what do we get out of 1,000? Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. And it's awesome, man. You got a, how, how big is that book? 40, 50 pages? I think it's like 80 pages. Is it more than it, that? It, yeah. Uh, some, something ridiculous. It's a huge magazine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an almanac. It's yeah. a Superman almanac. And they did the same thing with Batman. And just the little stuff that Marvel's doing now, like, I know that I'm in a minority here, or at least you don't feel the same way, but Thor's artwork, no, I, I love it. I don't mind it, because it, it's it's definitely different. It looks like it's painted onto the pages. And they're doing that with, you know, an original Marvel character. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing it with Thor. Yeah. DC's not taking any chances like that. They're not going to let somebody come in and take uh, Green Lantern, say, and just get wild with the art. Like, that's some 
That's some indie artwork they're doing on the Thor covers now, yeah. and all throughout the book. Yeah, and Marvel's doing, and has been doing it for a while with Silver Surfer. Right. Which I think is, and so I will be honest with you, I know people love the art of that book and how cool that looks and kind of retro-y or whatever, or trendy. I can't stand it so much, I won't buy that book. It could be the greatest thing going right now story-wise, and I'd have no idea. Though I did just pick up the new Silver Surfer because he's in this, he's got like he's some sort of black thing going on. It's where the like biggest his, contradiction, like immediate contradiction that I've ever heard. The Silver Surfer <laughs> yeah. and, he's, and, he's, and his arm is now black. Yeah. Uh, so I don't even know what's going on with that, but now I've got the first issue to find out how it happened and then to see exactly what's going on with that. Uh, Moon Knight was one that they started to kind of change the art up a little bit and and write a cooler story. That's That, that to me is Marvel's first real try to sort of be like the independent comics and do a neat story with different art and see if you like it or not now did i buy it no i don't think it matters if you like it or not yeah i think at least they're trying right my point is is that marvel is not afraid to do something different right now Mm -hmm. that's the major x thing or is that it yeah major x major x that's the major x thing doesn't appeal to me at all yeah no part of that liefeld's doing it so i'm out yeah. Probably off the get go. Yeah. Uh, I'm not like a giant, I'm not an X Men dude at all. Yeah. Like I know enough to pass the basic 10 question quiz and that's about it. Sure. Uh, so I'm not getting that, but I appreciate the effort in doing something that, because you've told me all about it. Mm-hmm. So I know enough about it to know that, man, that's different. That's crazy. It's cool. It's, it's you know, an alternate version of what we know. DC doesn't do any of that. No. We get the same, you know what Detective Comics is going to look like the next <laughs> issue? I have no idea. I haven't seen the cover. Right. The next month, we're going to get a Detective Comics, and uh, for the rest of the year, it's going to be relatively dark. There's going to be Batman. He's going to be in the shadows. Half of him will have his back to you, and the cape will be blowing in the wind. Yeah. And then the story's going to be, this is start, this is finish. Yeah, there is something going on with like the Arkham Knight. They have some underlying story going on, and I need to read them. I have them sitting on my table. I've not started to read that. Okay, so the, oh, another in, instance of DC not taking advantage of Detective Comics 1000. Detective Comics 1000 Massive Draw, they introduced a video game character and made it a first appearance. But the the big difference between our generation and, let's say, younger ones even, that's a big deal. Some people know that, and, and more people have played the video game Arkham Asylum, is that what it was called? Uh, that one was Arkham Knight. Yeah, and and just playing those games and getting used to that, then to see that jump into the pages might be a draw to them. Oh, I know who that guy is. Oh, I've played that guy. Okay. That's cool, but for I, us... I did that, so, yeah. I, so I played the game. Yeah. All the Batman games, yeah. every one of them. That story had a, had a close. Mm-hmm. You, you closed the story. Yeah. Like I saw the ending. It's over. For the video game. Right. But then they brought him over here because Marvel did the same thing with Atlas, uh, Agents of Atlas for this whole War of the Realms. Two characters that got introduced in that comic are in a app. I play Marvel Future Fights on my on my phone. Right. And two characters, Luna Snow and, and some chick with a some little girl with a giant uh, like glowing bear are in the game. They made their first comic appearance in that issue and then they introduced a brand new character that's never existed anywhere also in that so i thought you know that's kind of neat yeah but when i was a kid this is the equivalent when i was a kid like the worst thing that could happen to a comic like if i went to a comic book store and let's say i'm 10 years old 
oh wow check it out sergeant slaughter is is in iron man yeah. i never bought those books i didn't think that was cool yeah. i thought it ruined everything it's like oh dude spider-man and oh, you gotta be kidding me it's the ninja turtles well, like i just thought that stuff was so corny funny you bring that up the batman ninja turtle crossover is one of the most popular selling things dc has done and they just put out the movie for it. Well, and that makes sense. This has been going on forever. Yeah. Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Har- Harlem Globetrotters. The Globetrotters and Batman. Batman. Batman and Robin. When Batman and Robin showed up in Scooby-Doo, I was like, and, and I believe Adam West did the voice. I th- oh, I think so, too. And Burt Ward was Robin. And that's like, well, that's a game changer. Yeah, and I loved those. Those are my favorite episodes. They would make me watch Scooby-Doo more, hoping right. they would show up in But there. we're talking about the reverse. I I'm know. not buying Batman. I'm not buying Detective Comics. You know, 1014 when Shaggy's on the cover. Oh, like, it's I, not going to Actually, you know what? I would you because would. it would be DC showing some initiative. That's right. The Power Five. Power Five this week, we introduced this earlier, is going to be top five favorite or top five like best singers. The voices that you think rock for rock. Yes. Yes, that are that are there. Uh, for in this, this is personal preference. This isn't what we think everyone should say. You know, it's not. This has got to be it. You, uh, you want to go first? Do you I'll, have yours together? I'll go first. Do you have yours together? I'm. I have like four on the list, but I will say since we since we did this one on the fly for the topic, I feel like I'm missing. Some like ones I'm gonna go back and kick myself for that's, going. Oh, it's why we do the power five. Yeah, because we can. We'll probably collectively come up with those. Are you, are you ready? Yes. Paul Rogers, for me, is from Free. From Free, uh, not Boston. Bad Company. Bad Company. And Queen. Oh, that's right. That is who they hired, and I've always respected that. Okay. Like wow, if you. If they think that you're a great enough vocalist that you can come now fill in for Freddie Mercury, and that was when they kind of got Queen back together and started touring again, mm-hmm. then that's remarkable to me. Plus, we just named three Hall of Fame, Rock and Roll Hall yep. of Fame level bands. Uh, number four, Roger Daltrey. Okay. Uh, because From the Hill. you were saying earlier about Steve Perry, he really belts it out. Yeah. No, I mean, that was the Roger Daltrey, like yeah. all that who's next stuff, the swinging the mic and the yelling into it. And he's still, he's still, he, he's he, not there, but he's close. He gets as close as you can possibly get, I yeah. think. Uh, number three for me, Robert Plant. I don't mm-hmm. know how you don't put Robert Plant on the list. He had a sonic range that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Number two, this is controversial. Are you ready for this? Freddie Mercury is number two. Freddie Mercury is not number one for me. Okay. We may, in fact, share number one on the list. I believe the greatest rock band singer to ever live is Chris Cornell. Okay, that's a good call. Okay, and uh, can I do honorable mention? Absolutely. Uh, not ever really a part of a band known more for his solo work. Joe Cocker made the list for oh, me yeah, because no. it was just so different. Yeah. And it sounded very passionate. And he should be on that. And honorable mention... Uh, from Pearl Jam, Eddie Vedder, just because he created his own style. Yeah, and then people copied him. That's that. right. I'll give you that. All right, so I don't know what sort of order I've got here. I'm going to throw a bizarre one on here that people are going to go, what? But there's a guy named Angie Aparo. Oh, jeez. What? Yeah, this is you. 
Hey. This is like if I knew the guy from Brian, I would be like, oh, it's that guy. Or the dude that sings for the books or the Smiths. But here's what I will say. <laughs> well, that's, for the Smiths, it's uh, uh, Morrissey. Right. But it shouldn't be on the list. Uh, but Angie Aparo, for me, one of the best singing voices around, did have a commercial album. Uh, the the song Cry that Faith Hill did, Angie did that first, and he wrote that. I'm just saying. This is the most pretentious ben- phenomenal. Song. No, no. Google sh- uh, Spotify Angie Aparo and listen to the range that this guy has. It's amazing. It really, truly is. He's got a song called Wonderland that will take your breath away. There's, that's my five, okay? okay? Let's read the rest of them. <laughs> Uh, on this is also going, to, and I don't really know what what sort of order I should have this in. Um, Robert Plant also on my list. Okay, and I feel like he has to be. He Just, created what the modern rock singer is. I feel like. Well, yeah, but if you go and you listen to Zeppelin, you have a song that can be as slow and sweet. Going to California. Oh, Tangerine. Abs- absolutely. Yeah. And then thank you, you. And then you've got songs. Like immigrant uh, song, yeah. Automatically, I was like, ah, yeah. I'm just going. Oh, come on! It just doesn't. It, that's where it's at. Also on here for me, Steve Perry. One okay. of the reasons we kind of brought this up, because yep. he just like even oh Sherry. The song starts with <laughs> no music going. Bingo. Yeah, <laughs> with a little bit of an echo. No, when how? I like yes. Well, because I thought too, like uh, you could have went Boston or Foreigner there also, because there was this like style of rock where the singer had this vocal range where they could get high and they could yell and all that. Steve Perry was the best of that yeah, lot. Yeah, it's, it's like uh, the uh, the Marky Mark movie. Yeah, uh, Rockstar. Yeah, Rockstar with the the guy who sang for uh, Dragon... What was, what was the name of it? Black Dragon? No. What was it? Whatever they were called. The person they got to sing for that crushes. Like, just crushes. Right. It's phenomenal. No one even knows who he is. Uh, then, for me, also on this list is... Freddie Mercury. Yep. And then Chris Cornell. It should be Chris Cornell. Look, just another one. If if someone's not sold on Chris's ability to sing, listen to him. Go wait till December and then Shazam or Spotify Ave Maria done by Chris Cornell. Okay, can the I- same dude that did outshine. Right. Well, so my first dose of Chris Cornell is Spoonman, I guess. Yeah. When I was a kid. And it's it's like, wow, well, this dude's doing something different. And then you get, he can do the Robert Plant thing, because Black Hole Sun, until the very end of the song, he's just sort of singing and yeah. it's relaxed. I'll give you another odd Chris Cornell one. He went to the Sirius XM studios probably 10 years ago. Billy Jean? Nothing compares to oh, you. Yeah, his and nothing. it's like, wow. Ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll give you that say hello to heaven if you yep. go to the Temple of the Dog stuff. Now, I've got... Two honorable mentions. Okay. That are very different. Okay. I, I guess you got it. He's he's a rock-ish guy, and I will hear this dude sing about anything. You're a fan of his. Ray LaMontagne. Oh, yeah. I don't know if he counts because of the band thing I, or whatever. I mean, it, it could be solos. It's, it's okay. That voice is on another level. Because it's so unique, yeah. but so awesome soulful yes i'm all about it and then there's not many guys like this like i do really enjoy brent smith from shinedown my man can belt it out but i'm gonna put one person just above him because i found him first he was in a band called the mayfield four and in 1997 98 hey no you're gonna know who this is in a second don't worry 
I got this album, man, and like this dude is singing off the charts. Like he's singing low, and then all of a sudden he's like getting all up high and just doing all this sort of crazy rock stuff. Right. And doesn't do much of anything. Then Creed disbands, and they join Miles Kennedy. Okay. And I'm like, Miles Kennedy, why is that familiar? Oh, he's the lead singer of Mayfield 4, and then Alter Bridge is born. Right. And then he goes on to sing for Slash. He also is Marky Mark's replacement at the end of Rockstar. That he, is true. Yeah. He's the kid he drags up on stage, and Miles Kennedy has a voice and a range that you can't really find these days. Now, I didn't... I tried to stay within the realm of rock and roll. Like, yeah. I didn't name Steven Tyler. I mean, there's a lot of guys that we you know could have mentioned yeah but i don't i feel like we should have prefaced by going like rock and roll with guitars and arena rock you know play in big stadiums because i don't want people to think that i'm leaving off sam cook or otis redding or elvis you know what i mean yeah different though yeah for my envision of of this list for me is i could hear these guys in their prime sing anything and i would be happy with it. don henley I would say uh, Don Henley. See, I wouldn't even give Don Henley that. Not not this echelon. Not that he's not a great singer. He's not this. Like if you're like, hey Don, here's the A's of the alphabet. Go, and you'd you'd sit through uh, Adams and something else, and you'd be done. Well, I would but do Freddie that. Mercury doing it. You're go, you're gonna make it at least to the B's. Well, with Elvis or Otis Redding or Sam Cooke, like those guys, I'm saying I'm sitting and listening to that oh, every time. Man, a try a little tenderness. Yeah, yeah. these arms of mine. From gosh darn Otis Redding. Oh, oh, my. Oh, man, it's I, awesome. I love it. And I have to thank, uh, was it Ducky um, from, was it 16 Candles? Yeah. Uh, is it 16 Candles for It's either one? 16 Candles or it's one of those. It, and I'd never really heard Otis Redding until them. So it's sitting on the dock of the bay. Chris Robinson. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, an yeah. honorable mention. Yeah, good voice. Good Southern rock voice. But, you know, it's fine. Uh, Greg Allman? Fine. Like I'm I'm thinking of people that just when you hear it, you know it's another level. There's there's plenty of just really great singers out there. There are fewer next level singers, and I feel like everyone on this list are next level singers. And I think we named them. So I think we did pretty good. Yeah, for for on the fly. Except so, for your pretentious, I'm a hey, I'm if, music if I can, snob. If I can get a few people to click on that and realize that this guy is amazing and can sing, then I feel like I've done a little bit of justice. I'd have to say Jeff Buckley. Oh, we we probably should have said <laughs> Jeff Buckley. <laughs> Jeff Buckley should have an honorable right. mention. That is a good call. So very good. Thank you. All right, good podcast. Until next time, uh, find us, tell people about us, subscribe, do all those things. Thanks.